the peace of Christ be with you. Let's turn and greet one another. We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church, especially if you're visiting with us today. At each one of the pews near the center aisle, there is a black folder, which is our friendship pad, and we'd love to have you take it and fill it out and let us know that you're here with us, whether you're visiting or whether you're regularly here. We also want to welcome back our choir. It's nice to have you back after a summer break. Good to have you. Ah, and they sound wonderful today, as always. Um, our announcements, you can see, that are in, the, um, in our connections. This morning, at, uh, after this service, at 11.30, there will be an information meeting for those who are interested in sacred story prayer. Some of us have been praying that kind of prayer. It's a five-fold prayer that we pray 15 minutes a day, and we find it has been very helpful to us in being more aware of God's presence and God's love. If you would like to learn more about that, there will be a meeting at 11.30 in Tankersley Hall after the showing of the Martin Luther film that's going on over there right now. Also this morning, if you walked through this way, you saw that all sorts of things look like they're going on in the patio. That is because next Sunday night is our great uh, celebration at Hotel Laguna celebration dinner, but we are almost completely sold out. We were sold out. Four tickets have been turned back in. So if you didn't get a ticket, you might still have a chance if you call the office. But we do know that a number of you can't be there, and there'll be a big silent auction there. So we brought a few of the silent auction things here this morning, and these will be uh, completely silent auction just this morning. So by 11.30, people will go home with whatever they won in the silent auction this morning. These are not going to also go to the dinner in a week. So uh, some of the things have already disappeared, so you might want to be sure you check out there. That will go till 11.30 this morning, the silent auction. There is also cake celebrating our anniversary that is inside of Tankersley Hall. You can see there are a number of ways that we are also celebrating the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. One of those, besides the adult education class that's going on right now, is one two weeks from today with Dr. Nate Feldmuth from Fuller Seminary. And there's also a women's study group that is going to be studying a book called Body and Soul. It is a contemporary application of the Heidelberg Catechism, which is one of the documents that came out of the Protestant Reformation. 500 years ago. So you are still welcome to sign up for that. The books are here for that. The books are also here for the Fall Book Talk group. If you are interested in getting those books, you can read more about them, and they are on the patio this morning. Uh, if you are going to the dinner, you will receive an email this week telling you the answer to all those questions that you're asking, like, what should I wear, and is there information about the silent auction before I get there, and all sorts of things. So an email will be coming out. I was numbering the questions as you were doing that. Aha, uh -huh. make sure you include those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I've heard a lot of those. Um, also, you can see some other things that are going on, including if you would like to participate in some of the disaster relief for the hurricanes and the fires. We have two, uh, source, uh, two uh, recipients that we suggest that you uh, might give through one is World Vision International, or USA, and the other one is Presbyterian Disaster Relief. Our children and youth programs have started up again for the fall, including Club 325, which is our homework club, and they always welcome new people, so you would be very welcome to join any of those. 
you can see on the back of, the, uh, of this that, Doc, uh, that Dick Martin passed away this week. Dick was a fairly new member of our church. He always sat in the back and was very quiet, older man. So you may not have met him. He's a lovely person. He passed this week. Um, our flowers this morning celebrate two anniversaries. One of them is the 63rd anniversary for Storm and Shirley Case, 63 years. So we congratulate them. And the other one is the 50th anniversary for Jerry and Kay Tankersley. So congratulations. It is a season of uh, celebration and of remembrance for the Christian church, especially Protestants, who this year, this fall, are remembering the 500th anniversary of uh, the beginning of the Protestant movement with Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Knox, and many others throughout Europe. And we are the recipients of their efforts. We remember the great Protestant watchwords, grace alone, faith alone, scripture alone, Christ alone. It is around these great watchwords that the life of the church revolves. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we know that it is your grace that sustains all that there is, that we live and move and have our very being in your grace, that you love us and have acted to claim our lives, to restore our humanity. We thank you for the gift of faith, and we pray this morning that our eyes will be opened and that we will see and we will believe that we'll come to trust your love at deeper levels. We thank you for the scriptures of Israel, that Jesus loved, for the prayers that he prayed and the prayers of the church. We pray that you will catch us up in the mystery and the wonder of your creation and the movement of your redemption and salvation in our world. We center our lives in you, Lord Jesus Christ. You have come, the Holy One of Israel, the Word that has become flesh to live amongst us. Thank you that it is in your face that we see the very glory of God and everything, Lord God, you intended humans to be. So bless us in this hour of worship. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please join me now in our call to worship. The heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. In the, in the heavens, heavens he has, he has set, set a, a tent, tent for the, for the sun, sun, which, which comes, comes out like a bridegroom from his wedding canopy, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and nothing is hid from its heat. Let the, Let the words, words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. 
O Lord, how majestic is your name. Let us stand and sing Psalm 8 together.
is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. Splendor of the King. Amen. Oh, let us be seated. Psalm 130 calls us to confession this morning. The praise team will sing the first verse, and I'll invite you to sing the second and the third. Hear the setting for Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you, so that you may be revered. Eternal God, you do not change. You have revealed yourself to us in your word. You call us to worship you in spirit and in truth. But, but we, we confess, confess that we have often worshiped not, not your, your true, true self, self, 
but who, but who we, we wish, wish you to be. We too, we too often ask you to bless what we do, rather than seeking to do what you bless. Forgive, Forgive us for seeking concessions when we should be seeking guidance. Forgive us when our worship shapes you into what we want, instead of shaping us into what you want. Help us to meet you here, that we might bow before your unspeakable majesty and so live for you now and ever. Let us share with God our private confessions. Amen. And now join me in the assurance of pardon. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is great power to redeem. It is he who will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. This is the good news. In Jesus Christ we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen.
invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm 8 and then to Hebrews chapter 2 in the New Testament. We are launching this fall this series on the Psalms, the prayer book of Israel, songs, poems read and sung in the temple in Jerusalem and in the synagogue and has been the prayer book of the church and was also the prayer book of Jesus. So it is really appropriate that we pray the Psalms that, that Jesus prayed and that shaped and formed his life. Psalm 8. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have founded a bulwark because of your foes to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? Yet you've made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You've given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And from Hebrews chapter 2, a sermon to the New Testament church, Hebrews 2, verse 5. Now, God did not subject the coming world about which we are speaking to angels, but someone has testified somewhere, and he could have said Psalm 8. What are human beings that you are mindful of them? Are mortals that you care for them? Yet you've made them for a little while lower than the angels. You've crowned them with glory and honor, subjecting all things under their feet. Now, in subjecting all things to them, God left nothing outside their control. As it is, we do not yet see everything in subjection to them. But we do see Jesus who for a little while was made lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone, and as he says, make atonement for the sins of all humanity. Let us pray. Lord God, open our hearts, our eyes, our ears. Bring illumination. Help us to see all the way through the many manifestations of your mighty power in this cosmos, all the way to the incarnate one, Jesus, our Savior and Lord. We pray in his name. Amen. Any of you like me caught up in the total eclipse of the sun? I know that some of you traveled to places where you would be in the zone of total darkness, maybe only for two or three minutes, but it was worth it. 
And I confess that at the time when the eclipse was going on, I went out into my backyard, <clears throat> kind of looked into the heavens, didn't look directly at the sun. I knew that would destroy my eyes. Waited for the gentle breeze, and it came. It cooled a little bit. And the color tone of the sky became different from bright blue. I'm not sure what to call it, but it was, I was very much aware that something was happening in the heavens. Now, we were repeatedly warned that we could not look directly into the sun. We know that. If you've ever tried that, you're likely to see spots for a long time. And sometimes that's worried me about myself with the sunsets over Catalina. Is that they're so beautiful, I want to look at them. And I don't have the glasses. And that's why I've had to blink several times because I just looked too long. Thankfully, my eyes are okay, but you have to be careful you have to wear the lenses, the glass, the dark glasses through which to see that mysterious phenomenon of the eclipse of the sun. And so many people were watching. I was feeling it outside. I was running back in, watching the television screen, the progress of the eclipse. And parents or making sure their kids had their glasses on. You could only take your glasses off in that moment of total darkness. And so people were taking their glasses off and looking, and just as the, as the, as the sun was, was blocked by the earth's moon, the corona of the sun could be seen. And it was awesome. And the birds and the animals were wondering, where do we go now? It's a shorter day than we expected. But it was a wonderful experience. But it required glasses through which to see the reality of the eclipse. This last month, we also celebrated the 40th anniversary of the launching of the Voyager spacecraft. You remember that, 1977? Two spacecraft that have traveled to explore the solar system and the outer reaches of interstellar space and mystery. The report came back this past week but that spacecraft was 14 billion miles from planet Earth. Can you imagine 14 billion miles and somewhere along the way, a few billion miles from Earth, the cameras took a picture of planet Earth. And you, you ever seen that picture? It's almost total blackness, but there is a really tiny dot of blue planet earth the human mind is hardly able to contemplate the distances we live in this environment of time and of of space and and matter 
And as we lift up our eyes to the heavens, seeking to see beyond ourselves, the cosmos itself raises the profound questions with which, if we're honest, we all struggle. Or maybe we dismiss those questions because we could not answer them some time ago. But the question is, does time and space and matter, does it just go on forever? Is there life somewhere out there in this cosmos beyond us? Are there aliens on those Voyager spacecrafts? There were golden records placed there describing planet Earth and who we are and how we seek peace and hoping that if there are aliens out there, that they will know that we want to be in dialogue and communication with them, that we just don't start with the assumption that they are our enemies. But the great philosophical questions is, who is God? Is there a God? Who are, who are humans? What does it mean to be fully human? Riding this little speck of dust through the cosmic stars. The Milky Way. And out and beyond it is at this point that the poets and the philosophers and the theologians have to help us as we struggle and wonder, are there some lenses, some glasses that we could put on that would help us see to the depth of reality? Are there? The scriptures of Israel answer yes. The words of prophets and lawgivers and psalms and letters and gospels in which we center our attention, they become the glasses for us that empower us to see reality when otherwise we cannot see. And blessed are those who are given the willingness and the openness of heart to see, to listen, and to believe what is the mysterious meaning and purpose of the cosmos. These are not irrelevant questions with which we struggle. July 1969 was a really important month. That was the month the first men landed on the moon, the moonshot that had been in development for a long time. President Kennedy set the goal, first men on the moon would be Americans. And so they arrived. And Neil Armstrong sent the message back from Earth from the Eagle Lander. Tranquility base has been established. The Eagle has landed on the Earth's moon and as he squeezed himself out of that small lander and went down the ladder he took that final step and said one small step for a man but one giant leap for humankind 
Buzz Aldrin was still in the lender. And before the mission, he had asked his pastor to prepare a special pack for him. A little package with a flask of wine with some waivers, crackers that, to use. And there on the surface of the moon, in that sacramental moment, he served himself communion because he had eyes to see and ears to hear that this whole created order comes from the hands and the fingers of Almighty God. He had a view of reality through the lens of Scripture that had shaped and formed his life. You remember when the Soviet cosmonaut, the first one who had escaped the Earth's gravity by means of the space capsules launched from the Soviet Union. When he got out there, he looked out the window and he could not see God. And so he proclaimed to the world, there is no God. I don't see him out here in the heavens. Yet we are the inheritors of this great faith tradition that comes to us in the Scriptures, in psalms of creation, psalms of praise like Psalm 8, that are absolutely foundational for our Christian worldview. If you're going to be a Christian and think and evaluate life and know the meaning and purpose of your life, you must begin somewhere. We do not begin simply with our own subjective emotions as important as they may be, rather, we began with that divine revelation that comes to us in the words of the Scripture. O oh Lord, our Sovereign, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. O oh Lord, our Sovereign, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. What a blessing it is to have that faith, to be able to see through the words of Scripture into the ultimate truth of reality that there is a God. This is not a scientific explanation. This is a confession of faith. It comes by means of the revelation of Almighty God to Israel. And yet even with the gift of Scripture to help us see reality we know that in the history of Israel and indeed in the history of Jesus' people and of the church, we have had great difficulty in seeing and knowing reality, even through the lens of Scripture. The disciples struggled with whether or not Jesus was the Messiah. They had been really close to him. They had seen him and heard him, yet they still questioned to the very end as many of us do. In the hometown synagogue that heard Jesus interpret Isaiah 61 and proclaim himself as the fulfillment of that scripture, their response was, isn't this old Joe and Mary's boy? Did he just say he was our Messiah? 
And finally, at the end of that sermon that day, they wanted to kill him. Tried to throw him off the brow of the hill. We get to the end of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. The two disciples are walking on the road to Emmaus. And they're talking about all the things that had happened in Jerusalem during Holy Week, during the, the Passover. And a stranger joined them whom they did not recognize. And they began to talk about all the things related to Jesus, how they had thought he was God's Messiah, but he'd been put to death and condemned. And the story was over. Their hope was shattered. And his response to them was, Oh, foolish men, do you not believe all that is written to you, for you in the law, the prophets, and in the book of Psalms? And he began to interpret for them the meaning of life. And their hearts were burning within them as he did so. This stranger, he got to their home, and that evening he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to these two disciples. And when he did so, their eyes were opened. Their minds were opened, and they saw that it was the resurrected Christ, that indeed this cosmos is filled with the Spirit of the Creator God who has become incarnate in Jesus the Son. When Paul arrived in Athens and preached to, to the Athenian elders in Acts chapter 17, he said, look, I've just observed that you're a very religious people. There are shrines and temples everywhere to every God imaginable. I even noticed that there is one shrine to an unknown God. I've come to you to announce to you who this unknown God is. I come to you as a representative of the God who made the heavens and the earth, who is Lord of all, the Lord who reigns, the Lord who holds the cosmos together by the power of his love. It is in him that we live and move and have our very being. Paul would have never been able to make such an assertion as this before he became a Christian and met the resurrected Christ on the road to Damascus. He preached the resurrection. He preached the almighty power of God at work in the cosmos, creating, sustaining, and saving, and promising to bring the creation to the new creation to the fullness of everything that God intended it to be. Science will not tell you that, as important as it is. It takes revelation to discover the mystery of the cosmos, and God, Almighty God, can vindicate Himself through the power of His Word and Spirit. You do not have to prove God. O Lord, our Sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Last week I walked in the dark with my dog in the park just as the full moon was coming up. It was the largest, brightest moon I've ever seen. I know there's an explanation for that scientifically. And I was interested in that with the clouds flowing by the face of the moon. 
But I saw it in a way that all biblically informed Christians see it as a witness to the mysterious presence of the Lord who reigns, who orders, who controls the whole creation. This psalm reveals to us who God is, the Creator. Revelation says He's worthy to be praised because He created everything that there is. We dare not forget that. We need a perspective where we can look back upon ourselves and see that we are but a small little blue dot floating through cosmic space, as Carl Sagan said, stardust, but more. We find out something about men, about men created in the image of God as male and female entrusted with a stewardship responsibility to represent God, created in the image of God, created to be co-regent with God, manifesting the glory of God. What do you see when you see another human being? How do you think when you think about yourself? It's not simply an accident. One of the most fundamental problems that we as humans have is having an adequate understanding of who we are. I mean, Genesis 1 and 2, they tell us on the sixth day after God created everything by the power of His Word and His Spirit that He created the humans. And then He rested and His commentary was, it's very good. The material order is very good. We humans are very good, physically material. We're not just spiritual creatures. We are material creatures made in the image of God to work along with God, to live in right relationship with God. Genesis 2, the second creation story, says in the words of poetry, and both of these are great confessions of faith, it says that God knelt down and took the, the dust of the ground Ha-Adam, the ground, and fashioned it into a man, and then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The body by itself is not adequate, but the body, when animated by the Spirit of the Creator, is what God intended empowering a life to be lived in right relationship with God, a life in which God is loved and we learn to love ourselves and we learn to love one another. That's the glory of who we are. Without that faith assumption, we are lost in a world that sees individuals, others as simply things to be manipulated, to be used, to be lied to. But if in your faith, I face, I see the image of God, I can treat you with respect, respect and see your integrity as a brother or sister, human, created in the image of God. That's Genesis 1 and 2. That's Psalm 8. What is man? 
that you are mindful of him. Created a little lower than the angels, our God. Crowned with glory and honor. I want to give you glory and honor because of who you are. As a child of God, adopted into the family of God, created as an expression of his love. Psalm 8 also, I believe, knows Genesis 3, that this creation is fallen. This world in, in which we live is a mess. I mean, how many more things can go wrong? Thank God, we live with the possibility that someone from North Korea can launch a hydrogen bomb toward us. How many of those does it take to destroy the environment of the earth? And how many earthquakes can we, can we tolerate? We've lived through some big ones, but nothing like 8.1 or 2 down in Mexico in this past weekend. And how many hurricanes will it take? Are, are tornadoes, are cities destroyed? Are, how much chaos in the human community can there be? It all goes back to to what the psalmist knows is very true from Genesis 3, that the humans created in the image of God decided to live life without God, turned their back on God, lifted themselves up in pride and unbelief. And the consequences of that, they were driven from the Garden of Eden, from the Tree of Life. The world was filled with violence. It grieved God that he'd ever made man, Genesis 6. And the whole history of humanity has been filled with chaos. But it was into that chaos, to that little small dot, to that little blue planet, that the Holy One of Israel came and took on human nature and lived fully with us except for sin, became fully identified with the human condition to show us what it means to be fully human, the second Adam, created in the image of God, walking in right relationship with God, and through his obedience laid down his life upon the cross to make atonement for the sins of humanity. That's the Christian gospel. And without embarrassment, we proclaim it in every marketplace, in every street corner, in every relationship, we have a message about the proof of God's amazing love is this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. What we see now in the world is not everything is in subjection to the feet of the humans yet, but the day is coming when it will be. So we don't see the divinely intended peace or harmony, but we believe that one day it will be there. But what we do see is Jesus. 
and we are able to see Jesus because we see him through the lens of Scripture, illumined by the Holy Spirit, interpreted by Jesus himself to the church in the long history of the church. And it is in this reality of faith, hope, and love and the creation power of the sovereign God. We proclaim the Lord reigns in the cosmos and in our hearts and lives. And to that end, we know we need not only an attitude adjustment, but we need a new way of seeing to the very heart of reality through the lens of creation, through the lens of Scripture, illumined by the Holy Spirit, interpreted by Jesus. That's why we come to church. This is what the Protestant Reformation was all about. Hearing once again the good news of God's unconditional love for His children, coming to bring us back to himself. Thanks be to God. Join with me then in our affirmation of faith, standing with me if you would. The words of the Apostle Paul from Colossians 1, we read responsively. God has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have a redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. We may be seated as we receive our morning offering.
powerful God, you surround us with the beauty and power of your good creation. You hold the whole world in your hands. This week it feels as if all creation is groaning, as entire communities are devastated by hurricanes and fires and earthquakes. As the waters roar and the mountains tremble, Lord have mercy on all who today find themselves in the path of danger. Give them and us eyes to see that you are present in every moment and event of our lives with your powerful love. We pray too for those whose lives already have been turned upside down by these natural disasters. Surround them with your strength. Heal their memories of trauma and devastation. Give them courage to face the long road of rebuilding ahead. As our country marks the 15th anniversary of the terrorist attacks of September 11th, we pray too for those whose lives were changed forever that day. Grant comfort and strength to all who grieve. We're mindful that much of our world lives with the kind of terror and anxiety that our country has experienced in these human and natural disasters. So we pray for all around the world, made in your image, who live in fear, for refugees on the run from war, for families facing the fear of deportation, for all who are persecuted or abused. As followers of the one who came to bring good news to the poor and release to the oppressed, we ask for the courage to be instruments of your peace and to work for justice and compassion and love. We bring you these gifts with thanksgiving, asking that you will use them and that you will use us for your work in this world, even as we pray for the day when all brokenness is healed and when your will is done on earth as in heaven, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And so we close with the hymn, I Sing the Mighty Power of God. And I love the last line. It says, And everywhere that we can be, thou God art present there.
words of the benediction come from 2 Corinthians 4. The Apostle Paul said, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world, God with a little g, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not proclaim ourselves. We proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. May that light shine forth from your face and mine as we go through our world on this week. Amen.